No NBA team has come back from a 3-0 hole. Bucks must have heard that stat when they mentioned it over the broadcast last night and said, you know what? Let's make everyone sweat and bite their fingernails and get this win. As yes, Giannis Adenakumbo and Chris Middleton combined for 79% of the Milwaukee Bucks points. I would say P.J. Tucker and Thanasis combined for about 99% of that energy. As Giannis and Chris Middleton, 79% of the team's points. It was the most by any duo in NBA playoff history as the Bucks win in a nail-biter. 86-83, to taking Game 3 and cutting the Nets' series lead in the second round in half. They still are down in a 2-1 hole, but still Pfizer form Sunday. Tip-off, 2 o'clock. Bucks nets The deer could even up the series, or they could be staring at a 3-1 hole. Good morning, Rowdy. Good morning. <laughs> there it is. Rowdy, very excited about the Bucks win over there. Uh, let's see here. Bucks dominated that first quarter. 19-point lead, but then Brooklyn... <laughs> a tale of two quarters as my God, the second quarter was absolutely abysmal for the Milwaukee Bucks. In fact, as they were going to halftime, Chris Middleton bricks that three, which was kind of the, uh, I guess the subtle nuances of that quarter. But then, you know, the third quarter unfolds and y'all knew, we all knew it was going to go down to a nail biting close finish. And with no, but Mike Budenholzer and his still dumbass coaching, I like the balls, though. Didn't call the timeout with 11 seconds left. Drew Holiday wide open for the go-ahead layup uh, to put Milwaukee up ahead for the you know the final 10 seconds of the game. And the Bucks have to uh, play a little defense. Well, I guess uh, Chris Middleton got to the line. And then Bucks had to play a little defense. And Kevin Durant, who didn't play the greatest, Nets really didn't play the greatest, uh, all of them, as uh, KD bricks the way beyond NBA three range to, uh, you know, tie the game, potentially take it into OT. They survived, Rowdy. It was an ugly one, but it was also an entertaining one. Yeah. For, in a strange way. For both sides, it was pretty ugly. For Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Yeah. Ever, past that first quarter, obviously, the Bucks looked really, really good. Second quarter, Brooklyn looked really, really good. And then the rest of the game, <laughs> really, both really teams bad. looked pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was like a Mason's convention out there after that. A lot of bricks. It was... Um, you know, both teams weren't playing the greatest. I liked how I liked how the commentators kept saying, "Oh, this is a good defensive matchup. It's like a rock fight out there." I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of missed open shots yeah. from both teams. I saw. A real, I gotta. I have to find the stat again. But the the over under, the over missed by like sixty some points. I was gonna say, there's no way that that was even close to the total. Well, yeah, the the Nets and the Bucks are you know two of the top offensive teams in the NBA, and my God. You would have uh, never thought that watching the two teams, especially, you know, from the the whole game as a whole, but definitely in the second half. Uh, where did that tweet go? Uh, yes, Packers JT. The threes from Giannis definitely need to stop. <sighs> he, he hit the, he hit the one big one when it mattered at the you know in the fourth quarter. But my God, all the other ones, it was just I'm. You could feel the Pfizer form in the fourth quarter when Giannis was pulling up for the three. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. Yes. But yes, those threes by Giannis are abysmal. They, Rowdy, they need to stop and stop. Yeah, and what was a the long stat? Time ago. What was the stat? He's three for thirty. <laughs> I no, I actually I was texting a couple different people. 
and I sent them both the same message. I'd go, do you guys think that uh, Giannis closes his eyes every time he shoots a three? Or how about free throws, too? <laughs> yeah. Airball the free throw. He Not only did Giannis airball free throw, but he also got called for the 10-second violation again. Uh, again, they called it around 12, 13 seconds, Rowdy. So uh, Giannis Adenikumbo. Here's what he does best: gets to the rack and throws it down. You know, just just somewhere near the rim. Just just do that. Just well, did you that. see? Did you see uh, Giannis? And they even brought it up on the the commentary about how they passed him the ball, and he he took the ball and almost got like a free uh, attempt at a free throw, and then passed the ball back to. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, just get it and shoot it. At this point, it doesn't matter if you take ten seconds or two seconds. Your free throw probability of making it. Probably isn't going to change. Might even go up if you do it a little quicker. Giannis, from you know total field goals, always one for eight from three point land, but for field goals total, fourteen of thirty one. So I mean, it's not, you know, it's, he's making almost half his shots. So yeah, that well, that's his game. Look yeah, at, look at if you look at uh, fourteen of thirty one overall, but if you take away three point shots, the guy was thirteen for twenty three. <laughs> Why are he shooting from outside? Let's just let's just get to the rack. Uh, Middleton, yes, Ram Jam is right. Middleton was good last night. Middleton, uh, you know, hit some timely shots. He was a game high, thirty-five points for Chris Middleton. Uh, three, he was fifty percent for three-point land, twenty or twelve of twenty-five total. But they, Giannis and Middleton accounted for seventy-nine percent of the Milwaukee Bucks points. Well, that's that's how it's got to be to win series like this against the Nets against teams that have more talent than you. You have to rely on your best two guys, the two guys that are getting paid the most on your team, the two guys that are supposed to be the all-stars on your team. Exactly. So there was two mo- there was two moments in that game yesterday, uh, last night, that I absolutely loved. And they were huge moments that, you know, some people might make fun of, but they don't win the game if it doesn't happen. The first one, P.J. Tucker actually standing up to somebody uh, on an opponent. And that's kind of why they signed him, right, Rowdy? To have a little toughness, some tenacity. P.J. Tucker had was 0 for 4. He scored 0 points. 0 points. But he was a plus 10. And he was a, in my opinion, he was a plus 100 when it comes to energy. When he got in Kevin Durant's face and just started jawing at him, I was loving it. I was in my TV like, who, no, like, who, 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 get him. I loved P.J. Tucker. Showing the energy, getting to or uh, KD's face, it was awesome. What, what was with that? Do you see that security card from the Nets come like a bowling ball coming in, Rowdy? Did you see that guy? Like he like shoved PJ Tucker. It almost escalated the situation. I thought that was very interesting that a security guard was having it, you know, kind of escalate. That was I loved was PJ Tucker getting the face of KD, and literally the eight seconds of Thanasis Adenikumbo in that big time tough defensive stretch where Brooke Lopez got a block, and then Thanasis, who's, for some reason, I don't even think he was 20 seconds in the game, comes up with the giant <laughs> Should swat. he be in the game for more than 20 seconds in a the, game the, like last night? The time? 20 seconds that he was in, though, absolutely paid off because the energy was just lit. He throws down the block at the three-point land. Uh, I forget who he blocked, but he throws down the block. And then I start. I got up on my couch and started like fist pumping. And then Thanasis starts pumping up the Pfizer form. Those two moments to me were absolute game changers. I loved it. But the fact that uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton are able to really just kind of will this team 
to the finish line last night was uh, was impressive. I, there is obviously some faults in the game, but hey, they won, eighty six to eighty three. They cut that series lead in half. They won. So doesn't matter how you win, they still found a way to win. Uh, I saw uh, there's some guy that does radio in Milwaukee named Bart, and he's like the biggest soy boy. Probably wears a mask while he's showering and sleeping, and saying we didn't deserve to win that game. Then don't watch, dude. Who if you uh, you didn't deserve to wear the game or to win the game? Who cares? They won the game. The, it doesn't matter. There, there's a lot of things that don't deserve to happen, but still happen. I absolutely love love when there's these people that literally sit around, like me, watching the game from their couch, obviously, but then have to go. They didn't deserve to win. Yeah. Just like all the practicing they did leading up to that. Just like all the sacrifices they made leading up to that. They didn't deserve to win. Doesn't matter. They still won the game. Well, I told you I was texting back and forth with some buddies. Yeah. And down the stretch, I was talking to the one particularly, and I go, you know, if the Nets win this game, Bucks fans will be complaining tomorrow and, you know, kind of vice versa. If the Bucks win this game, then Nets fans would be complaining tomorrow. Oh, yeah. But I go... In my opinion, both teams had so many opportunities to make shots or to make plays that would have gave themselves the, you know, the uh, benefit of winning that game. A lot of them didn't take it, didn't make it, or didn't do whatever. I wouldn't say that the Bucks were lucky to win. I'd say that both teams had opportunities, and the Bucks got one more opportunity than the well, Nets and that's, and that's all you need. You got to put yourself in the position to take advantage of an opportunity. And that's what the Bucks did. Didn't, didn't deserve. Doesn't matter if you didn't deserve it or not. Both if you're in the looked, opportunity to do it, you take advantage of the opportunity, then you win the game. Both teams looked a little ugly. The Nets were a little bit more ugly. Yeah. A win is a win. It doesn't, does not matter if you deserved it or not. A win is a win. Do you think these guys uh, care that they, you think they're going to go like, well, we didn't deserve to win this game. We're going to go to the NBA's office and say, you know what, we're actually going to forfeit that game and give it to the Nets. We didn't deserve it. They practice nonstop to compete in games like this, and they won. Love it. Absolutely love it. It was, uh, wasn't the prettiest games, right, Rowdy? wasn't the prettiest of games, but it was, uh, it was entertaining nonetheless. Milwaukee obviously relied on its defense. The NBA's two highest-scoring teams – from the regular season, basically turned it into a early 90s-style defensive slugfest. It did harken back to the days uh, of the 90s, but here's the thing. If this was truly the 90s, P.J. Tucker would have cocked back and punched Kevin Durant right in the face instead of just calling him up. I don't know what he called him. I'd like to know what he called him. Definitely got under Kevin Durant's skin, but I think a lot of stuff gets under Kevin Durant's skin. I bet you Kevin Durant's burner account was just in full effect last night, just tweeting relentlessly. About PJ Tucker. Here you go, Roddy. I found it. So the over under last night, the, some of the top offensive teams in the in the NBA, the Bucks and the Nets, the over under Rowdy was two hundred and thirty four and a half points. The Nets and combi- uh, Bucks combined for hundred and sixty nine points. Sixty percent of the money was on the over. <laughs> they went under by sixty five and a half points. Wild. That is that was. The largest, well, the biggest margin through the under in the playoffs in the last decade. There was some good defense at times in that game, but there were also a lot of missed open shots. Oh, yeah, totally. A lot of missed open shots by Kevin Durant, who mm-hmm. normally doesn't miss them. Kyrie Irving, who normally doesn't miss them. <laughs> Joe Harris 
couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat last night. <laughs> nope. And then when you look at the Bucks, Giannis from outside the paint, what he they? couldn't make a shot. Well, that's that's not his game though. But yeah, but stop shooting those Giannis. Lopez, he couldn't hit a shot for the Bucks. And then whenever PJ Tucker had the the basketball and was shooting, you he, knew, he was wide open for threes in the corner multiple times. He never made a shot. <laughs> he couldn't make one. He never made a single shot. Uh, yeah, I mean, seventy nine percent of the points came literally from Middleton and Giannis. Middleton thirty five, Giannis thirty three. On the net side, Kevin Durant, who is usually just automatic from everywhere, he had thirty points. He was three for eight from three point land, and eleven of twenty eight for field goals total. And then Kyrie Irving, you know, Kyrie Irving. There was a moment in the fourth quarter when I remember the announcer had said they got to make sure Kyrie Irving doesn't take over. And that's when uh, KD was on the sidelines waiting to come in. Uh, Irving had made some three-pointer, and then he came back down, and he made another nice little bucket mid-range. I was like, oh, no, Kyrie Irving is going to take over in the fourth. And then it just started to kind of unravel again for the Nets. Well, they kept going to that Bryce Brown, the Nets did. And yeah, he was hot. He's obviously a a role player for the Nets. He's a, he's a bench guy, right? Yeah. But uh, he got cold in he the did. fourth quarter, and it wasn't like he got cold because they were forcing him to take tough shots. They were the same decently good looks that he had all game. They just didn't go in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was. Um, listen, w- was it ugly? Yes. Was it fun though? Yeah, I had fun watching that game. It was it was frustrating at times. It was every emotion was you could ever want. Better than game two. It was definitely better than Rowdy is one hundred and ten percent correct. It was better than game two. And not only did the Bucks win, Rowdy, but you won in the Razor's Edge. Yeah, we did by half a point. You you were you did you ever doubt it? Actually, I was a little bit nervous because if uh, KD would have hit that three at the end because it looked good. And I think in the, <laughs> it was, the I was interview after after the game, Giannis said he thought it was going in. Yep. <laughs> I thought it was going I in. I thought it was going in. I mean, it's Kevin Durant. I thought it was going in. And uh, that would have led to overtime. Mm. And anything could have happened in overtime. So I was uh, content with the miss from KD. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As the, as the Razor's Edge wins by half a point. Good for the Bucks, though, baby. Let's go. Also, uh, other things we're going to talk about today. I got comments from Chris Middleton, comments from uh, Giannis Dendekumbo, Drew Holiday. Mike Budenholzer, I, he still needs to get canned. But Well, that was the reason why the game was close. Yeah. <laughs> when, you have, when you have performances from KD and Kyrie Irving, the way that they shot the ball, even when getting open looks. Like, there was one where KD had, was it Giannis and... Well, someone else was guarding him, and then Giannis came over to help, mm-hmm. and he had a spin move where he got himself wide open yeah. to the right of the basket, and all he had to do was lay it in, and he he went with like a half shot. Yeah, like a little, little floater? Yeah, and it rimmed out. It's like, okay, Kevin Durant doesn't miss those very often. No. Or else you had like Kyrie Irving having an open three, and he's not hitting it. It's just one of those games where both teams just, I mean, the over-under missed by 65 and a half points. Like, you're not gonna, that's insane. You're not going to get another game where Kevin Durant looks that bad, Kyrie Irving looks that bad, and Joe Harris, who's supposed to be their best sharpshooter, goes one for 11 and one from seven from three. And a lot of his misses were wide open shots. Yes. I, in in my opinion, that game shouldn't even have been that close, but it was because of Budenholzer. And uh, I'll even say a little bit to Giannis pulling up, taking ridiculous oh, shots. Stop with the threes and the free throws. <laughs> 
I never understood the free throws when you're a professional athlete and you literally practice that your whole life. Even uh, Van Gundy and what is it? Van Gundy Gundy and Jackson were even criticizing Budenholzer for. Do you remember when Giannis was at the top of the key? They has the ball like he's the point guard and they clear out isolation. Yes. And it's him versus Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin's literally giving him the shot. He even gave him the shot from the free throw line. Yeah. And then Giannis wouldn't take it. He kind of goes in. Then he he reset. And then he drove in. It's like. And then is that when Blake Griffin does a jump ball? Was that a jump ball possession? Yeah. Yeah. It was. That was so embarrassing for Giannis. In my opinion, well, he tried to kick it out to Middleton. I think someone was on the three-point line, but yeah, it was embarrassing. It, it totally was so was. embarrassing because Blake Griffin literally said, "I'll give you the three. He wouldn't take it. Then he kind of dribbled into the free throw line. He's like, "I'll give you the free throw sh- jumper." Still didn't do he it. He wouldn't take it. Then he went back out and then tried to beat. Okay, we. I think we all can say Giannis is extremely uh, athletic, and when he's coming downhill, he's a great gonna freak. Be, he's gonna bully over. But try guess, to. guess what? When Blake Griffin's healthy. Blake Griffin's pretty freaking athletic too. He's kind of a wall in the way, right? And then when he's not a slap, when he, when he's giving you an extra ten feet, so and we all know that Giannis isn't going to drive left. We know he has to drive right. Yeah, totally. He's cheating to the right and giving you ten feet, and he's super athletic too. I mean, there was he was relying on the foul, which is rare because you know he's going to pick those free throws. But at the end, though, Rowdy Giannis did hit two free throws, which was. Uh, Rare, good. But, he was still four for nine. But in the moment, <laughs> it, at that time, it was huge. All right, here's the thing: commercial break coming up. We got a lot of stuff to talk about with the Bucks. But yes, to uh, we were gonna stop, and then we started talking about what we had coming up. And I said, Mike Budenholzer. Mike Budenholzer is still uh, inept in the playoffs. There was I saw Bucks Twitter just livid. Like, fire him after this game. I said, win or lose, it doesn't matter. Bud's got to go. So we'll talk more Bucks coming up here as they, yes, uh, cut that series lead for the Nets in half. Series now 2-1. to one. College football in their playoffs. They're thinking, and it looked like it's going to happen, expanding to 12 teams. A 12-team yeah. college football playoff expansion. I saw people like, this is BS. It should stay to four. Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, what is wrong with having more competition in here and seeing... Uh, now, I don't think there's going to have, like, the 12th team in and is going to beat, like, an Alabama or something, but to the to the people complaining about it, don't you like seeing madness? Don't you like seeing, you know, some craziness? Some guys, like, just uh, watch the world burn. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem. I like it. Let the Badgers get in, then. I mean... The next, your next step, and probably the final step at some point, will be adding six to make it sixteen. And if anybody has a problem with that, go talk to the FCS, Division Two, and Division Three, and see how well those work out. I think there's a part of me that thinks that twelve's a little much. Like four isn't enough, and twelve's like whoa. But it, it, twelve expanding that eight teams all of a sudden when you had. You thought you had a great product with four, and you would... I mean, the NCAA wouldn't come off a four for forever. Yeah. And everyone has was bitching about it forever. I, personally, I think the, the perfect number is probably eight. Yeah, I, I would inclined to agree with that, too. When you start playing, obviously, the first couple, you know, there's going to be buys worked in there because you can't just straight up play 12 teams. Yeah. So, but what you were saying with, like, the number 12 team beating in Alabama... That's exactly why I think 12 is a little much. I think if <laughs> if you go with eight, personally, you have your five power five conference teams. You have at least uh, one invite from like a um, non-power five, mm-hmm. and then the other two being like 
quote unquote wild cards. I think that would probably fit because then you don't have anyone that can bitch. You don't have the Pac-12 saying, well, how come our champion didn't get in? You don't have the Big Ten on off years where Ohio State's not winning the Big Ten saying, how come our champion didn't get in? All five get their champions in. You get your... um, Well, here's the thing on the champions, though. The proposal does not include guarantees for conference champions. Instead, it calls for the bracket to include the six highest-ranked conference champions plus the six highest-ranked other teams as determined by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. There would be no limit on the number of participants from a conference, and no league would qualify automatically. So the NCAA is just telling us that your conference championship basically means nothing besides more money for them. Correct. Correct. Exactly. That's that's (laughs) the the only thing I don't understand. Like, a conference... If there's still going to be a committee, there won't be a whole bunch of teams from one conference. Yeah, uh, let's see here. The college football executive director, Bill Hancock, must be related to Herbie Hancock, says this proposal at its heart was created to provide more participation for more players and more schools. In a nutshell, that is the working group's message. To me, they're like, okay, we got uh, the top-heavy SEC. We'll get those guys in. Uh, We'll get... uh, a couple of the top heavy there in the Big See, Ten. Okay, now, if you take the top twelve though, how many of these are going to be SEC schools? Because you yeah. could you could realistically have like you could a third of the teams being SEC schools, right? And well, so that's what they'll do. They'll get they'll get the third of each little conference that they like, and then everyone else will be like, "Well, what the hell?" And I guess I mean depending on when the college football playoff rankings start coming out, as long as there aren't preseason college football playoff rankings. Like, you know, you see every year somebody is always grossly overrated. Yeah. Um, In a lot of cases, most teams are grossly overrated because Texas is back. No, no hook they're not. Okay, cool. Hook no, Notre Dame is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, we got year. Jack Cohn now, RJ. But, but you see it play out, and they have an unexplicable loss somewhere, but yet they still stay ranked in the top 15 when you're looking at their schedule and, you know, the service academies are getting better, but when you got th- two to three of them on your schedule per season, then you are have a half-season SEC schedule you, you're you running now. Yeah. You, you backed out of games uh, versus Michigan moving forward. Even that now looks like a bad call. Probably should have kept so, them on there. Um, and you're filling in with now... Pac-12 teams who, one, was historically good in USC, and they haven't been able to do anything as well, of late. It's all to a committee to pick these guys now, allegedly, and they're going to like, who right. bring, who, what names bring in the most money? But in this scenario, it's going to be the top six conference champions. Yeah. Then it'll be the next six ranked teams. So here, let me. Here's who who's who wrote the proposal. The proposal was written by a subcommittee comprised of Big Twelve Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, yeah. Bowlesby, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, Notre Dame's Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, and yeah. Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson, and was presented to the entire group of FBS commissioners yesterday morning. So they said, in addition to providing an opportunity to a larger field and increasing participation, uh, Bowlesby was candid about another issue that factored into it, and oh, that's. No. The sting of yeah. being left out. FOMO. And he said, we're probably underestimated, we being the A5 commissioners, 
how difficult it was to be in the outside looking in on a four-team playoff. He says, I think that was a factor. There were certainly lots of uh, consternation around those of us that were left out one time or another. So I think that was their element of it. There's three conferences that disagree with that. <laughs> and one of them is in there because they're deemed to be the most powerful conference, but they're not. Uh, let's see here. When asked what roadblocks might prevent the commissioners from agreeing on a 12-team proposal, the AAC commissioner said it has a really good chance of developing a consensus. So there's not really much of a roadblock, I guess. It, the only thing I can straight up disagree with is top six. Con- it, fine. Put your top six conference ranked conference winners there. Okay, good. The next six. Should all be at largest. So they say, uh, let's see here. Bullsby also said the practical effect of this will be that with four or five weeks to go in the season, there will be 25 or 30 teams that have a legitimate claim (laughs) (laughs) and practical opportunity to participate. That should make for an extraordinarily good October and November. Just think of the merchandise PJ Flex is going to roll out with. I mean, okay. Co-college football playoff qualifiers. And never make a So Wisconsin is going into the college football playoffs coming up. <laughs> they have a good shot. Yeah. I don't see why you would, they wouldn't then. No. If they have a normal Wisconsin season, you would be in. You probably would yeah, be if, in. If you run through the Big Ten West, play Ohio State, and either win or lose that, you should be ranked in the top 15 of some sort. But it also all depends on who's on that committee and how they're going to rank teams because even though there aren't biases there are definitely biases in that room and we've seen it already in a four-team playoff oh totally here's how it will work allegedly the first round games would take place on campus sometime during the two-week period following the conference championship games the corner finals would be played on uh, january 1st or january 2nd when new year's day falls on a sunday and on an adjacent day and that's that's where how it would start I do like it. Um, I saw a lot of people posting. If this was around back when blah, blah, blah year, uh, Zach posted one. I think it was 2019. Yeah. That that Florida game at Camp Randall. <laughs> and just had F- Florida playing in Madison in December. Oh, I did see that with that yeah. guy with the big sc- like Ralphie with her, uh, Ralphie's brother with the big scarf on. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, good morning. It's Corey. Hey, Corey. What's up, brother? You just answered my question I was going to ask, actually, about the uh, how they were going to set up the logistics of it. So I guess that kind of makes sense. What do you think, brother? Um, You know, I'm kind of on Rowdy's camp to an extent. Like, 12 seems like a lot because you got a lot of 12-ranked teams that are pretty toilet, to be honest, when you watch <laughs> them play to an extent. That's just my opinion. I'm wondering if they're thinking, like, um, because having a 12-play one seems like a little bit outlandish. I wonder if they're thinking about incorporating buys at all for, like, the first two or the first four and have, like, the next ones play each other to kind of weed out the week a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh... I think it's an intriguing concept. I've always kind of wondered about, um, you know, having just four teams in there always seemed like a little bit not quite enough. Well, Corey, but, could, I mean, if this happens and Wisconsin all of a sudden looking yeah. in, you know, you're perennial in the college football playoffs because there's 12 teams, does this help recruiting then? Does this help bringing in bigger, you know, recruits and bigger names to Wisconsin? 
you know. Where's it like, dude, it's 12 teams. What's it matter? If you're not winning, if you're not top four, what's it matter? That's a really good question. I don't know what, what will really ever, quote, unquote, help recruiting other than just. You could just, you could just say, hey, we, we go to the college football playoffs. Yeah, that's part of it. I think they're doing a fairly good, decent enough job right now with what they got. I don't, you know, I always kind of wonder if it's mainly just like the the big name is what kind of like catches a lot of these younger kids' eyes. Yeah. Versus like, I always kind of have in the back of my mind like thinking, okay, you know, if you actually want to play when you're in, in school, why are you going somewhere where like everybody else in front of you is like a five star recruit, but at the same time. That might be kind of like... Their That's what I always thought, too. Like, if you're like a big-time quarterback, I yeah. always wondered why Wisconsin struggled to get a big-time quarterback. You got a great line, got a great running back, you know, you got a great defense. Like, there's not really much competition in front of you. Maybe, if you're a big-time quarterback, why don't you go to Wisconsin? That's why maybe That's why we got Graham Mertz. Maybe more insight of that since he worked for UW, but I'm, I always kind of think, too, it's like part of the, the coaching staff that you have that they get a really good rapport with whoever's probably recruiting them. And, like, they want to be coached by somebody that is a competent coach. They don't want Andy Haynes coaching them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, bridge the gap. <laughs> I love it, Corey. Oh. We're all encompassing on this phone call. Love it. Talking some Brewers, talking some Bucks, talking some college football playoffs. Got it all today. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit here, though, um, about what was going on up in Titletown before we get to Mr. Essler. And, uh, yeah, I get it. Aaron Rodgers, not there. Hell, he's a part of Minority owner of the Milwaukee Bucks couldn't even be at the Pfizer Forum to watch his team get a win over the Nets. Tisk, tisk, tisk. But there he was uh, tweeting out a W, then a hashtag. A lot of people thinking it was uh, some cryptic message. He's literally just watching the game so the Bucks won. Rowdy? Yeah, I'd agree with you. But the, the other thing is, are you, sure, would. are you sure he's not there at the Pfizer Forum watching the Bucks because you think he's going to get booed or because they think they're going to put him back on the jumbotron to chug his beer. I was wondering that. I was wondering that because exact thought I had last night. Rogers embarrassed because they're yeah going to make him chug a beer or yeah because he's not at mandatory minicamp. <laughs> Both. B- both. I just drink his beer. Zedaria <laughs> Smith and Aaron Jones were there though. Saw that. Did you see after the game they were trying to dunk? They were throwing down dunks. Did you guys see that? Athletes. At the athletes, man. Can you imagine if one of them blew out their knee doing it? That's exactly what I thought because I think it was no! I think it was Miles Garrett who was uh, over the offseason playing basketball, and there was a bunch of videos popping him up on Twitter, and the, uh, the Browns were like, dude, yeah. you're not allowed to do that anymore. No, no, no. That's not happening. Like, um, could you imagine, like, Zadarius Smith, who missed a couple practices early in the week due to COVID protocols, now back in for just a couple days, and he's, you know, Messing around doing dunks on the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> basketball hoops after the game, and then all of a sudden, pop, and it would be he's done for the year. It would be <laughs> nuts. It would be so bad. But yeah, Zedaria Smith. He's he, just giving way to Rashawn Gary. Someone him was do his thing. someone was still in the stands filming him because they got on the court with the Bucks, yeah. and Zedaria Smith tried to throw it on a dunk. It boom, it, it like, came off. And then Aaron Jones is a lot shorter. He threw down a dunk. I mean, yeah, they're, athletes. Wow. they're yeah. athletes. Athletes. But the, the the funny thing is, like, if you're a guy like Miles Garrett that enjoys playing basketball and, say, plays a lot of basketball in the offseason or even during the season, and that's something you've done pretty much your whole life, 
That's fine. Yeah. Continue to do it. Do. Don't film it so other people know yeah, you're doing exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's been some athletes, though, God, it escapes me, that have been playing like a different sport over their offseason, and they get hurt, and they're like, well... Yeah. Oh, it was over this season. It was a, it was a, it was a lower level football guy who was doing something. Oh, he's working out at a different gym, preparing for the season. But the NFL yes. Players Association wouldn't cover his medical costs because he wasn't in a team facility. Do you remember cut? when yeah. Zach Grinky was playing pickup basketball at like a rec? Yeah, and broke his ribs and missed multiple weeks to start the season with yeah. the Brewers. Yeah, jeez, jeez. I was going to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Speaking of athletes. Oh, it's the athlete. Is this Doug or G Dub? G Dub. G Dub, what is up? The premier athlete that is G Dub. <laughs> uh yeah, a couple things. What sport Last did you excel in most? Jello uh, Jello wrestling? <laughs> no, no jello wrestling. Couple things. Yes, G Dub. That game last night was Brad Davidson brad davison approved do tell yeah what's that i said do tell continue well okay the other thing is tucker probably my new favorite player dude did you want pj tucker to cock back and just smoke kevin I, durant in the face i did in the worst way did you see that uh, uh, security guard come in and start shoving people around really quick yeah okay that's another thing i didn't even know they when did security jump into these fights like when did this happen i was like I just thought that was like an assistant coach or something. I, I didn't know. When, he was kind of built like you, G-Dub. That was a big boy. Yeah. Yeah, but when did they have security? Like, when did security... I think it was after the malice at the palace. When, when was it? Again, like in the 80s? What'd you say? In the 80s? No, when... Uh, <laughs> when, when Ron like Artest... The early 2000s. I, I don't I know. Have, They've always had security, but they really came in hot to, to, to protect I their never, assets. That's the first. That's the first for me. I've Second, never seen it happen third, like that before. Yeah, I know, right? You can see them there, but they never get involved. Yeah. Third thing is uh, the free throws. Uh, I think it was Van Gundy made a great point when they called the the uh, I don't even know it a foul. Like when when uh, Giannis took too much time, he took like thirteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a, yeah what, yeah. What is that? Is that a foul? What, what the hell is that? That's just a violation. Okay, a violation. He made a great point. He said, "Be consistent." Don't do it just during the playoffs, or just because there's like the fans are they're counting the, the time down. Yeah, be be consistent. Don't do it now. It's muscle memory for for Giannis what he does. It's all calculated. It's all muscle memory what, he, what he's doing. He did it all season long. It shouldn't change in the playoffs. Hey, well, G Dub, yeah, I know. I mean, Giannis up there at the free throw line is is tough. So you said the game was Brad Davison approved. I think the free throws for the Bucks end, anyways, was Ethan Happ approved. Yeah. For sure, Brick City, it's, dude. He should not be shooting three point three pointers at all. Yeah, it's, it's ugly. Hey, G Dub, when's uh when's that wedding coming up of yours? Uh, July first, couple weeks. Oof, duh. Rowdy and I still got to get there. I don't know. I don't know, buddy. We got to get a board up. We don't have any uh, fresh bodies right now. You're not, that's probably not gonna happen. You still have that Rage Against the Machine cover band the night before? Yes, we do. Are they literally just doing Rage Against the Machine songs? They're they're doing. A, uh, well, they're going to sprinkle in a few other, like, uh, they're going to sprinkle in Jump Around. Uh, they're going to sprinkle in uh, Sweet Caroline. Oh, beautiful. And then a few other a few other songs. But, yeah, it's totally all Rage Against the Machine. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. G-Dub, yeah. we love you here, brother. Your, your twin brother, not so much, but we love you the most. <laughs> see, right. see you, buddy. Oh, uh, by the That's way, uh, Doug, Doug on Twitch says your mom sucks. My what? Your, he says your mom sucks. 
Isn't that his mom too? Aren't you guys twins? Interesting. Well, you'll figure out that family fight, okay, buddy? Right. <laughs> uh, yes, the free throws last night were atrocious. But, you know, Nelly, not only did Giannis get called for another 10-second violation, okay, but he the, only, the free throw Am I too. the only person that thinks that he should be called for it because that is Just a the rule? rule. Yeah. And he literally takes forever to shoot the free throw? Yeah, it's it's a rule. That's but to, I forget who, what do you say, is Van Gundy saying it? But Van Gundy's like, well, all regular season, they never called it on him. Now they're doing it in the postseason. Well, here's the thing. They should have been calling it on him, too, in the regular season. If it's a rule, it's a rule. Correct. But this is just the NBA being the NBA. Also correct. But still, it's like, if <laughs> I've never seen a person stand on the free throw line as long as Giannis Adetokounmpo stands on that free throw line, it's it's it boggles the mind. I actually think this is beneficial that they're whistling him for ten second calls because maybe he comes up with a new routine in the off season once he gets the basketball in his hand. Does it count as a miss? I don't. Maybe he's doing it so he doesn't have to take the shot. He's just standing up there. He's like, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I think if he's if they yeah. continue to whistle him, he's going to have to come up with a new routine in the off season for sure. If, if not before, and maybe that'll be a benefit to how bad he shoots free throws. Because I, I personally think the longer he holds the ball, the more, the more he sits there and thinks. Exactly. The more he's in his head and the more it's just, it's not good. No. No. It's not good. And at this point, when you're having 10 second calls one time you're on the free throw line, and then the next time you're airballing free throws, no. It's, you got to fix something because yeah. he can't do that being a guy that the best part of his game is getting to the hoop and you're going to get followed quite a bit <laughs> when you're going to the hoop the way he does. It's just so bizarre. It is so strange. All right, I actually have a clip I wanted to play of Giannis talking about shooting free throws. Uh, he says to translate success, he's got to do it from practice to the game. Hmm, oh, no, G. Oh, really? No, I, I, you know, I shoot them, you know, and that, that you got to trust my work. That's it. I think that's the key. In uh, unlocking your true potential as a human being, you gotta trust your work, you know. And uh, a lot of people work very ex- extremely hard, but you gotta be able to translate it, you know, to the game from practice to the game. And uh, it's, it's it's a process, but at the end of the day, you gotta be able to trust yourself, trust your work, uh, and uh, be able to unlock your potential. I never have understood it, I've, and I don't think I ever will. From the college ranks, like Ethan Happ, to the professional ranks. When you are a kid, what's the one thing you're always doing? Like, no matter when you start a practice or end a practice or during a practice, you're always shooting free throws. Always. It's like the one thing everyone always does. Oh, let me shoot the free throws. It's like you gravitate towards the charity stripe and start shooting free throws. You know how, obviously, in the NBA, they like to market superstars and individual players? It's not necessarily the teams. It's the players. Yeah. Like, in baseball, they talk about the Yankees and Red Sox. Well... I guess you have that to a, a little bit of an extent with the Lakers and like the Celtics, but not so much anymore. It's more of the LeBron Jameses mm-hmm. or, you know, the Kevin Durant's. How about to market yourself as a superstar? <laughs> Giannis, who can't make free throws, all of a sudden becomes granny style. You don't think that would take off with something somewhere? What the hell is he doing, Jackie? And I don't think he can be any worse at the free throw line. No. Um, Worst free throw, um, Granny style, or who was the Badger that did the jump ones? Uh, Was it Evans? Evans. Ryan Evans. Which is a worse look, the jump free throw 
Like Ryan Evans for the Badgers well, or Grandy style? I've already seen how terrible Giannis's jump shot is from outside the paint, <laughs> so I'm going to tell him to pass on the jump shot. Um, so, yeah, I think it's Granny style. Wow. What the hell are you doing, Jackie? You don't, and, if he, and if he starts shooting above sixty percent with the with that uh, type very of very good at basketball, <laughs> with that type of shot, dude, that's good. That's what they're going to be talking about. You're the yeah. guy that can come down the lane and dunk over you, or think of, shoot it between. Think his of the marketing. Rick, Rick, Rick Barry. Isn't it Granny Smith cookies? Is that a cookie? I don't know. Is that a brand? I know Famous Amos. Famous. Damn. No, it's uh, Grandma. Oh, let's take a. What am I thinking of? I'm trying to think of marketing. I'm trying to think of marketing for Giannis shooting. This free throw brought to you to, brought to you by Granny something. Just, I'm just thinking outside the box here. I think it's just Grandma's cookies. Oh, uh oh, we got a fight breaking out on. Uh, yeah, it's Grandma's cookies. Grandma's cookies. This free throw brought to you by Grandma's cookies. Try Granny style, and there's Giannis. Granny style. Our Twitch channel is um wow. It is getting feisty and spicy in the Twitch channel. So, Rowdy, you know how we have that fight that we're going to have on the Wisconsin River on the sandbar? It started out with you versus Gilbert Brown, the grave digger of, you know, of the Green Bay Packers. And then it, I was going to say devolved, but it, it evolved into you fighting Gilbert Brown and then you fighting one of our listeners, the King. And then you fighting another one of our listeners. Yeah, I keep getting pulled into it. Johnny, am I missing anyone? I thought we were going to set up another fight. Um, I think it was Charlie versus Sobriety on the sandbar. And then now we have the twin brothers, G-Dub and Doug, who are teaming up against Thick Cheddar, who I have now invited them to the fight on the sandbar. We got the, it's a partner, so we need a partner for Thick Cheddar. I don't know Thick Cheddar, don't know his name, but I hope he has a twin too, because that'd be epic. <laughs> it would. So we are going to have a fight on the sandbar. A uh, loser gets shoved into uh, the river, and whatever happens, happens. To quote Ivan Drago, if he dies, he dies. Or I'm thinking we do our own Thunderdome. But, man, it's getting lit in here. Uh, Dave Essler, our gambler to the stars. Dave, uh, we might have some lines to be set on here. Who's going to win? Uh, do you know who Gilbert Brown is, Dave? Um, no. He played for the Packers in the 90s. He's, 90s. he's a, he's a you know. He's oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, gotcha. Rowdy, how, many, how, many, how much pounds do you think he has on you? Well, in his playing days, he probably had about 200 pounds on me. Yeah. So that's that's how it started all. An NFL player was talking smack to our guy Rowdy over here, and then Rowdy basically challenged him to a fight. So Dave, no, 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 that didn't happen. Uh, no, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean my timeline's a little off. What happened to good Rowdy? No, remember we were disagreeing on a point, and oh, then he started Gary. coming at me. So then I came at him, and then he's like, <laughs> then he's the one that challenged so me. I take that back, Dave. An NFL player challenged Nelson to a fight, and now it's going to go down on the Wisconsin River sandbar. So more reason for you to come up to Wisconsin, my friend. Yeah, I was thinking as you were talking, that could be like a uh, 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 spring training for the for the Penn State tailgate party. <laughs> hey, Dave, how you been, man? What's good? Uh, how's the NBA gambling going? Did you? Uh, it's okay. You know, I was talking to Rowdy. I'm actually kind of happy about that 10-second rule because I had Brooklyn plus three and a half last night. So, wow. you know. So I'm, you came out roses. You and Nelson on the same wavelength. That's kind of scary to me, Dave. Or it's I'm a good sorry. thing. No, it's good. I'm sorry. You know, I, I can't be on the same wet wavelength as him all the time because that dude doesn't sleep. I mean, Dave, trust me. I know. I see him yawning constantly for four hours from 6 to 10. It's one big yawn for four hours. Yeah, I know yeah. he doesn't sleep. 
he'll text me at 11 o'clock and I'm setting my alarm to make sure I'm up for you guys. And he's, I got a couple more hours of digging to do. Yeah, Dave, he's sending me videos at like midnight about stuff. And I'm like, dude, dude. you got to get up in like four hours, soldier. Come on. Yep. 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 Hey, now, I'm, I'm, I'm lamenting my Doc Redmond 66 to one first round leader ticket. Ooh. Hey, I, I'm glad you're on Dave. And you know, I always, I always pick Nelson's brain on this too, but I'm actually going, so Wisconsin does not have legalized gambling, but I'm going to Iowa. Uh, Dubuque has uh legalized gambling going to, to the beautiful diamond Joe casino. And I'm curious. So Nelson gave me, what was it? The angels F five. Yep. Uh, Dave, do you have any bets that you can, uh, you know, that you're liking in baseball or basketball? Maybe could that I can uh, go to the sports book tonight and go cash. Wow, you you got more confidence than I do. That's impressive. Yeah, Dave, I'm um, I'm I'm feeling it today on a Friday. Uh, well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, I I, I, I you know NBA. I, I like the Suns tonight. Right now it's plus one and a half. I'm hoping the the SpongeBob betters push it to plus two because I think it's finally time that Murray injury pays its negative dividends for Denver. You know, I, I look at the Denver starting backcourt: twenty-one points in game two, nine in game one. Uh, in game one, the Suns had four guys score 20. In game two, they had six guys in double digits, and because it was a blowout, nobody played big minutes. You know, they they came into this series more rested, and uh, the Suns had the best road record in the NBA. They have the better defense in almost every statistical category. And, and ask yourself this, guys, why are the Nuggets just a one-possession favorite in a must-win home game? Mm. I think the folks are begging for Denver money, and I'm not going there. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dave, I'm I'm loving this, man. Hey, I have to ask you real quick on the Brewers before I pick your brain on something else. Uh, Brewers have won uh, 14 out of their last 18 games, and they're kind of living or dying a little bit by that uh, home run. But the Reds bullpen sucks so much ass. Um, my quote that the Brewers were able to pounce on them uh, with the the Brewers now going to uh, home tonight with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I know you're pretty familiar with the Pirates. Is, do you like anything? I don't want to put you on the spot, but Milwaukee versus Pittsburgh tonight. You know, I was looking at that. Um, and I know Woodruff is a good pitcher. Uh oh. But is he really worth minus two eighty to you know to anyone? Uh, no. You know, I mean, you know, and, and and I look at that. The totals at seven and a half, and it looks like it's coming down a little bit. So if I'm going to bet that, and you know, Milwaukee could win ten to one, but if I'm going to bet that, I'm going to take the Pirates plus one and a half on the run line. Because if they're only expecting seven runs and they're giving me a run and a half, basically free, um, that's what I'm going to do. But uh, I'm probably not. But just stay. Away. Sometimes the best bet's not to bet at all. Stay away. I would. I mean, Dave, when you, you know, just said they, when they, you just they said are, that, they are the, they are the pirates. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When you just said all that, Nelson was basically like nodding in approval and mimicking exactly what you were going to say before you said it. Do you guys share the same brain now? Uh-oh. That's definitely scary for him. <laughs> Dave, is it oh, true? I, mean, I, I, could, I could Maybe I could actually do with a, an hour or two's less sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, is it true? I saw Nelson over here change his profile picture to him holding a crisp $100 bill. Is it is it true, Dave, that Nelly beat you straight up in a bet last week? Yeah, but I thought it was 20 bucks. <laughs> Oh, what was it? Oh, tw- sorry, twenty dollar bill. Excuse me, Dave. I, again, I'm very excited. Hey, on you're Friday. supposed to go along with it. That it's all for the uh, ratings. Yeah, it's all it's the theater. Uh, theater of the mind here, Dave, on the radio. Come on. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Yeah, sorry. So yes, it is a hundred dollars. Hey, Dave. Uh, before I let you go, man, and uh, get an update on the golf game, what do you think about the potential of college football playoffs going to twelve teams? Oh, I don't know. I, I try not to pay too much attention to that because. 
you, you know, you've heard the argument, and you've probably made the argument, at least one of you guys has, that, you know, if it's 12, it should be 16. Yeah, and, we were saying 12 you know, sounds like too many. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, what are you going to get? You know, okay, well, now you're going to get Boise State and and some of those other non-Power 5 schools in there. So, you know, I guess, you know, they'll have their chance. But, I mean, if you just look at this year, I mean, you almost pretty much know it's going to be Clemson and Alabama or something like that. Right. But, you know, I mean, it's for the money. You know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what, how, that's how the world it, runs, Dave. It's all about the money. I think it's probably going to screw some of the bowl games. Um, you know, those those sort of, you know, five through eight, uh, five through 12 teams would have played in maybe a New Year's Six Bowl that, that now they're either not going to or they're going to have, you know, somebody like, um, you know, Toledo playing in the Orange Bowl. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Puff Daddy said it best, Dave. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, Dave. It's also all about getting out on the course and uh, you know hitting them long, hitting them straight. Give us, tell us you got a hole in one, uh, you know, last Friday, and tell us you're going to do it again this Friday or tonight. No, I can't. I can't. I can tell you that, but it would not be true. Well, it's just like us telling us we already got a Chris one hundred dollar bill from you. That's true. So you're getting a hole in one the ninth, then, Dave. I doubt it. <laughs> I'll be I'll be happy with greens and regulation. Thank you. <laughs> you got it, man. Hey, Dave. Uh, we're gonna get what a. I love how you just roll with it, Dave. What an interesting uh, conversation you got jumped into from fighting on a sandbar to Chris $100 bills to your golf game. We do it all on this show, Dave. That's why we're uh, lucky and special to have you here. We love you, man. Well, you know, I love you guys, and I try to be flexible. <laughs> You're a yoga master, Dave. That's how flexible you, you are. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Hey, we'll keep following along, okay, on Twitter at Dave underscore Esler. Uh, let's, uh, what, what is this? Real quick, Dave. That look when you've had too much to drink and now you really should shut down your social media. What what happened, Dave? Well, um, all right. Full disclosure. You're in the there circle. Are, you're in the you're in the, te- in the nest. The circle of trust. There are some people on Twitter that are um, are haters, I guess, if you will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they habitually make subtweets, and they're always after eleven o'clock at night. And I happen to know that they should probably put a a scratch on the on the bottle to stop at every night, and they and they don't because whenever those tweets come, they're they're after 11 p.m. Dave, see, I thought it was you, the one that uh, should have shut down the social media, but no, 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 no. Hey, Dave, no. Uh, on the haters though, I have I, I like saying this: the haters are never mad enough. Feel free to use that, my brother. Fair enough, I like it. Yeah, Dave, have a great weekend, and don't lose any more bets to Nelson here, okay? If I don't make any, I won't lose any. I'll, let him, I'll, quit, while I'm, I'll quit while I'm behind. <laughs> Beautiful, Dave. Have a good weekend, man. Hit him long. Hit him straight, brother. All right, you guys too. Thanks. Man, we threw Dave right into the uh, the lions in that phone call, Rowdy. We got to get him on that sandbar to fight or to watch the fights, I should say. I don't know. No we don't want to fight Dave. We want Dave to watch the fights. All right, we'll come right back. <laughs> ah. oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. UFC 263, and we have a big UFC event. There's only one cat we turn to, and that's our guy, Dan. Best fight picks. Dan, what's up, homie? Oh, wrong button. Sorry, Dan. Sorry, wrong button, Dan. Dan, you're back on now. What's up, homie? (laughs) Doing absolutely amazing, guys. How are y'all? Dan, it's been a wild show today, I'll tell you that. But uh, now, definitely on Cloud9 with you on. How you doing, Rowdy? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited for the weekend. 
How about you, Dan? Like, what's up? What's on the docket for the weekend besides UFC 263? Or is that your full attention? I mean, dude, uh, you got two title fights on the line. You got my two favorite prospects, uh, Jamal Hill and Bilal Muhammad on the card. Uh, I mean, what else is there to worry about? I mean, don't get me wrong. We got the Hawks in the playoffs. Y'all know uh, I'm paying attention to that. So when the time comes, uh, the Bucks uh, will be eliminated. No, just kidding. But hey! uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward, man. It's going to be a great weekend. <laughs> hey, Dan, I have a totally off-beaten path question here. There is a band that I really loved uh, called King, and they have a drummer named Pepe. Do you know this drummer named Pepe from the band King, K-Y-N-G, by chance? Uh, not off the top of my head. I mean, I know a band called Queen. but <laughs> were, you a, were you a drummer in a different life, Dan? Yeah, I was. Um, I was. Okay. I, I just I didn't know if you knew, because uh, I was talking to one of my old friends of mine, and he mentioned he had knew a guy named, you know, your name. And I wonder if it uh, coincided, but it must not. You know, it is a, it's a large world out there, Dan. I mean, maybe if I saw a picture, because in this day and age, it's like <laughs> it's like face recognition. You know what I mean? Oh God, yeah, face recognition. We're not trying to have that around here, though. All right, Dan from Best Fight Picks. Dan, um, it's two rematches, right? Uh, the top two fights of the card. Take us down. Let's start with the big dog, Rowdy. The big dog, the number one is who? Yeah, obviously you have Israel Adesanya. He's the belt holder. He's going to be a rematch with Marvin Vittori, guy from Italy. I'm excited because I kind of want to see how Adesanya bounces back after taking a loss from uh, Jan Blahovich. Obviously at a different weight class, but still, he's got to make some adjustments. Yeah, I mean, there's no questions asked, gentlemen. I mean, when you're talking about uh, Israel Adesanya, obviously he's a very special athlete. But look, this kid Marvin Vittori that he's fighting, they've already fought once. It was a split decision. One judge thought that Marvin Vittori won the fight. And not only that, it was in the exact same city the exact same state the exact same arena that they're fighting in tomorrow night was where they fought the first time so the only difference is now it's for a championship belt so i think that speaks volumes to how much both guys have evolved and uh it, here's my thing look i think israel adesanya is the better fighter but there's a little something called destiny and sometimes you can't you can't get in the way of that you know uh, when bisming fought rockle it didn't matter who the better fighter was uh you look at a guy like jan blahovich who recently beat israel adesanya when he won the belt didn't matter who the better fighter was because one, you know, there comes a point where you're not going to be denied for all your hard work. Look at Charles Oliveira the other week. So if this is truly Marvin Vittori's time, then I accept it. But as a pure pick, uh, I can't go against the last style bender. But yeah, I'm definitely worried about what happens if he gets taken down. And it's not a thing where it's like, oh, he's got no ground game. Like if he had no ground game, how come uh, Jan Blahovich didn't pound him out? How come Jan Blahovich didn't submit him? I think it's more so a thing where maybe he can't get get back up from bottom. That's what I'm kind of worried about. Guys. Dan, how much stock do you put into the rematch though? Like, is it, do you look at that last fight and you're like, uh, and you, you know, you kind of pick it apart or is it like, Hey, what, what happened happened? This is a completely different fight now. Like, what do you do? Well, I mean, there's elements of the first fight that still are in play here, such as Marvin Vittori's got an iron jaw. He eats a lot of clean shots, but he just keeps walking forward. And then also the takedown part. If Marvin gets on top of him, is Izzy going to get back up? Is Izzy going to accept losing that round? Now we got two extra rounds to work with. So, yeah, I, I definitely factor in the first fight, but now they're better versions of themselves. Yeah, I like that. How about the flyweight championship, the rematch, Fig uh, Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno? Yeah, Rody? That's oh. going to be a fun one. Yes, sir. I mean, listen, man. I'm uh, and, and sorry if I'm cutting you off. I'm having trouble hearing my boy Rowdy. So if I'm oh. interrupting you, I apologize. That's okay. But um, oh, well, I think I know yeah. why. Here, I, I pressed the right button. My bad, Dan. Okay, so man, <laughs> he said he's I, gonna have I'm, fun watching it. 
I'm a lot more confident in Davis and Figueredo than I am in the other title fight. Like, I think Davis and Figueredo is one of the most disrespected champions in the entire sport. Um, my only concern with Davis and Figueredo is at some point he's going to have to move up a weight class because he's massive for 125. So this might be the time where, you know, all those weight cuts start to catch up to him. But if if not, I mean, we're dealing with a guy with one-punch knockout power. We're dealing with a jiu-jitsu black belt. Uh, we're dealing with a guy that... You know, he's got a reputation for being for being someone that gasses out. Well, if that's really the case, how come he won the fifth round last fight? How come when he fought Pantoja, all three judges scored it three to nothing for Davison? So this whole myth about him being a one round fighter is completely insane. And um, I respect Brandon Moreno; he's a true Mexican warrior. But I think he's going to get hurt Saturday night. <laughs> oh, that first that first fight was epic. Just between Figueroa and Moreno, the first fight. I'm with you. I think Figueredo got disrespected with the decisions that were made by the judges. I didn't think that was right at all, but I have to give Moreno some credit. He is one tough dude to still be standing after some of the shots that Figueredo hit him with and then even vice versa. But yeah, I can't wait to see how Figueredo goes at it this time because I think it could be bad for Moreno too because I thought he had him uh, close to, uh, to on the ropes a couple different times in that fight. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right, man. I was shocked it was a draw. Even with the point deduction, I was like, okay, well, Figgy still won four to one, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of surprised myself. But listen, man, it was arguably one of the better title fights in the flyweight uh, history because, man, I didn't think I was going to come out here and, um, you know, kick uh, Demetrius Johnson. But, you know, I never miss an opportunity to do so uh, because, listen, guys, like, Demetrius Johnson everyone tried to act like he was the number one pound for pound fighter but i was always like man this guy's not willing to take any risks like for example um they they were like hey do you want to move up a weight class and fight the then champion tj dillashaw and henry's like no i mean excuse me dj's like no i'd rather defend my belt against ray borg who like no one ever heard of so you know dana white (laughs) with the famous quote was like you want ray borg we'll give you ray borg but then demetrius finally loses we got a guy like henry cejudo and his first title defense he fights TJ Dillashaw. You see, so you got guys like Henry Cejudo and Davison Figueredo making the flyweight division great again. And we don't even have to remember those times when we had a boring champion that was trying to play it so safe and wasn't willing to take any kind of risk. So I'm truly grateful for the flyweights we have now. Oh, for sure, Dan. Like, I think the one thing is a lot of casuals, they love like the heavyweights because everyone loves a heavyweight fight, right? Like someone's getting knocked out, someone's going down. But if if they really want to watch some incredible, not only fighting, but grappling and everything in between, you watch some of these flyweights like Figueredo and Moreno, like the first fight, they fight all out for 25 minutes. And the, the pace they fight at is incredible. Yeah, it truly is. And they're some of the most technical fighters in the world. I mean, they're so small, which means that they're going to be extremely fast, which means they're going to be extremely technical. There's no holes in their games. But again... This isn't the era of Demetrius Johnson where, you know, your friends are going to skip that pay-per-view. You're, you're going to have to wake up your buddy. You're going to have to check for pulse. You're going to have to do the whole bit. When when Davison Figueredo is fighting, uh, bodies hit the floor, which is the beautiful thing about it. So now we have a dangerous champion at Flyway. We, we don't have a boring champion. We have a, an all-violence guy. So it's great. I, I love this era of the Flyway division. I love that you brought that up, uh, waking up your buddies, because I think the last time we I had to wake up some buddies, it was when Usman was fighting. 
well, <laughs> not that last Usman fight. Though. No, you it was a couple before. Dan, I thought you were bringing up uh, some drowning pool with the bodies hitting the floor right there. A little new metal. Hey, Dan. One. <laughs> hey, Dan, before uh, I let you go, man, I got to pick your brain because, I mean, it's your brain's a good one when it comes to making these picks, especially at yeah. bestfightpicks.com. What's the one you're kind of looking in like, I like this fight. I can make some money in this fight. I can do this thing. What are you thinking, brother? All right, so last time I was on the show, I gave y'all Andre Muniz to beat Jacare, and I even said, do not be surprised if he submits Jacare. He went out there, he submitted Jacare. Now, that was an underdog play. Um, but now I'm going to give y'all something a little chalkier, a, a little bit of a favorite, but just someone that I'm super high. I'm going to give you two guys. Um, and if you want to parlay them, parlay them. If you're old school like me, play them straight. So <laughs> Jamal Hill. I don't know if I've told you all about this guy, but I think he's the number one prospect at 205 pounds. I think if John Jones was still the champion, that this would be the guy to dethrone him. I've never seen a prospect like Jamal Hill before. Firstly, he's got the physical attributes. He's six foot four with a 79 inch reach, but on the feet, I mean, he can hit you one time and put you out cold, but he's also got the output of a much smaller guy. So he can go out there and land over 100 strikes in a three-round fight, which is something we've never seen at that weight class before. But then there's the whole thing of, oh, well, he can strike, but what happens if it hits the mat? This guy's get-up game is like a prime Jose Aldo, so you're not holding him down either. So literally, there's like no way to beat this guy <laughs> right now. And I'm so high on Jamal Hill. The way people are regarding these guys like Magomed and Khalif and Dominic Reyes and Alexander Rakic is the way I regard Jamal Hill. I think he's the true uh, top prospect at light heavyweight. And then the other one is uh, Bilal Muhammad, who's fighting Damian Maya. Look, I understand Damian Maya is a legend of the sport. Uh, one of the you know future Hall of Famer, this and that. But let me just uh, put it short and sweet for you guys. No 43-year-old is beating Bilal Muhammad in a fight, period. <laughs> period. And no offense to four other 43-year-olds out there, right, Dan? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but but I got Bilal Muhammad over them, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dan, I uh, always love it, man. You're always a fountain of knowledge, dude. How's everything going for you uh, outside of the fighting stuff? You, uh, uh, you just crushing it at life, per usual? I appreciate you asking, man. Look, it feels like things are getting back to normal. I've been training jujitsu again. Um, I'm working with this app called Press Sports. Check them out in the App Store, Press Sports. Uh, my podcast, Half the Battle. And I'm just happy to be on here with you guys talking fights, man. Oh, oh, Dan, you know how to make me smile, my man. Hey, we appreciate your time, dude, as always. It's always you know, a highlight of mine on Fridays before a big UFC event. So, Dan, anytime you uh, get your ass up here to Madison, well, you can put Rowdy in the pretzel, and then we'll go take you out uh, to drinking or something, okay? Hey, next time the Brewers uh, are playing the Braves in Milwaukee, and you guys know I'm coming, uh, we're going to go. Uh, except we're going to be wearing opposite jerseys, but we're going to have a good time, boys. Hey, that's all fine, my man. Have a good one, Dan. Have a uh, happy, uh, you know, watching the fight and picks, and have a good weekend, my brother. All right, guys. We'll speak soon. Thanks for having me. Right, there he is, Dan from Best Fight Picks. Follow him on Twitter, Dan, uh, at Best Fight Picks. Good stuff right there from Dan. Rowdy, always always a cool guy right there. Yeah, and this this lineup is a pretty good uh, lineup for the UFC this weekend. It's Obviously, huge. it's two sixty three, but there's a there's a ton of good fights on there.